0: Good afternoon to our audience on this Wednesday, May 19th, 2021 in Wyoming. My name is Cam Wallace and let this be your welcome to the second edition of our storytelling series for Equal Justice Wyoming's 10th year anniversary. We are officially um, one month into um, the 10th year anniversary celebration, so as a reminder, Equal Justice Wyoming, or shorthand known as EJW, is a judicial branch entity created under the Wyoming Supreme Court that is responsible for improving access to justice and providing civil legal services to economically disadvantaged Wyomingites. EJW is also the first state-sponsored civil legal aid program in Wyoming. And throughout this COVID-19 pandemic, specifically, EJW has been essential in ensuring low-income folks can access unemployment benefits, address debt, avoid eviction amidst an unprecedented housing crisis, and seek protection from domestic violence. And we do all this with the help of our amazing grantees. So if you missed the first installment of this oral history, please press pause and scroll down in our podcast feed to the 10th episode featuring Patrick Day, Stuart Day, and Walter Eggers. So if you'll go back to that recording in the waning seconds of our episode posted on April 19th, 2021, I made a promise to y'all that I would try to co-host the authors of the Wyoming Civil Legal Services Act for a conversation. The Wyoming Civil Legal Services Act is significant because it lays out the operational directives for EJW, its policies and priorities. So consider that promise kept because today we are inviting on former State Representative Mary Throne and former State Senator Tony Ross onto the show. And presently, Ms. Throne is a government appointee to the Wyoming Public Service Commission and Mr. Ross serves as Senior Judge of the Cheyenne Municipal Court. So Commissioner Throne and Judge Ross Thank you for joining me to contribute your own chapter to this oral history of EJW. How are you both doing today?
1: I'm good. I hope you're doing well too, Ken. And thank you for having us. My pleasure. And I am
2: doing fine. And uh, it's a pleasure to recount uh, the efforts that it took to get this thing done.
0: Well, I'm happy we all worked through our technical difficulties together. Um, This series is intended to focus on the founders of Eagle Justice Wyoming, as I mentioned, and your contemporaries, Patrick, Stuart, and Walter, really described you as EJW's legislative leaders. And if I'm correct, Commissioner Throne, you represented the 11th District from 2007 till 2017. Uh, Your counterpart, Judge Ross, most recently served as Senator for the 4th District, from 2005 through 2017. So first I wanna take it back a little bit in time and learn a bit more about each of you. Um, From the articles I've read, you both grew up in Wyoming and I'm from Pennsylvania. So throughout my year of service here with AmeriCorps, I'm always fascinated to learn about people's um, childhood and what it was like to grow up in the cowboy state. So let's get started with that question.
2: Okay, um, I was gonna say ladies first. Mary has been a great friend and a companion in in uh, working across the island, a number of issues. Uh, Having said that, though, uh, growing up, I was born and raised in Cheyenne. Uh, My dad, I was a lawyer here for over 50 years. And uh, except for going away to school at the University of Puget Sound, um, I came back to law school and uh, graduated from UW. And went into practice with my dad throughout his career until about oh, 2000. He was no longer in practice, but continued practicing law actually up until uh, December of uh, 2019 when it became evident that I was going to be appointed the new senior municipal court judge, which was sworn in January, 1st January 2020. But it's been a great childhood. Cheyenne's a wonderful place. Mary's got a whole different story because she comes from the north. He's part of the
0: state. Uh, well, let's hop to it. That's quite the transition.
1: Well, and uh, Tony's correct. We've been friends for a long time now and uh, always worked well together in the, the legislature. So it's kind of fun to have the two of us together here. Uh, my story is different. I, I grew up in Campbell County I was raised on a a ranch on Wild Horse Creek, west of Gillette. Uh, And when you grow up on a ranch, you never go anywhere. You never leave the place, because something's going to happen if you take a vacation. So uh, I had a lot of wanderlust, and I um, left to go to college, um, to Princeton, uh, did a volunteer stint overseas in Thailand and then um, decided it was finally time to go to law school and went to Columbia in New York and uh, slowly started working my way west again. And I ended up in Denver practicing law. And at that point in time, I said to myself, why on earth am I in Denver? I never in my entire life wanted to live in Denver. I wanna get home to Wyoming. And I always thought I would go back to Gillette uh, but I moved to Cheyenne because um, there was a job here and met my husband and now I visit Gillette and actually my family still has a ranch so we, we still go up there quite a bit.
0: With that, um, here's a fun little factoid. You said why am I in Denver? I'm originally from Denver, Pennsylvania which is ah. in the of um, farmland in Pennsylvania, uh, Lancaster County. But um, I can relate to that as far as um, the classmates I grew up with whose families owned and operated dairy farms. It's like you can never leave the farm. That, that is a full-time um, job and occupation. And some of the most hardworking people I know are from there. But, um, so Rosh, with you going off um, to Puget Sound, um, Commissioner Throne, you going to Princeton and Columbia University, those journeys that led you outside of Wyoming and um, back to Wyoming, how were all those experiences Integral to the person I'm speaking to right now.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I, um, I went to the University of Puget Sound, which of course is in Tacoma, Washington, it's not far from Seattle. Had a wonderful experience there, probably would have stayed there, uh, but for the fact that I wanted to practice law. And I actually wanted to practice law with my dad. Um, that's the real reason that I came back to Wyoming. But, you can never get Wyoming out of your blood, um, and uh, Seattle was a wonderful place, but uh, I took my dad's advice. He says, you know, if you're going to practice law in Wyoming, um, you uh, you need to go to law school in Wyoming because there's so many connections that you make throughout your uh, career that individuals that uh, we're in your law class and maybe a year ahead of a year time. And it's, it's absolutely true, it's absolutely correct. And we're friends all over the state. So that's a pretty cool thing. Uh, I'm glad I, I, I followed my dad's advice.
1: And uh, Tony's, Judge Ross's uh, father gave him good advice and I received similar advice about how I should stay in Wyoming if I wanted to come back to Wyoming. Uh, But I didn't follow it. (laughs) Because uh, when I was 25, I thought I wanted to come back to Wyoming, but I wasn't absolutely 100% certain. And, you know, three years in New York, going to law school sounded like a, a lot of fun. I wouldn't, of course law school is never fun. So uh, I had to stay there another year to get the fun part of New York City. Um, So uh, you know, that's what I did. And uh, you know, it was challenging when I moved back to Wyoming because I hadn't gone to law school here. And so I had to, even though I grew up here, I had to re you know, I had to establish connections. So.
0: I'm about to soon discover how not fun law school can be. Um, I recently got accepted and um, turned in my deposit for Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland. And I'm looking to concentrate in healthcare law there. But as excited I am as I am to be moving to Cleveland and closer to my folks in Pittsburgh, I know it's a lot of hard work ahead. And you're talking about being um, 25 and in those younger 20s. I'm curious to know what were some of the jobs um, that, you both took up in the earlier portion of your career? All right. Well,
2: um, after graduating from law school, I started working with my dad. My dad had run uh, for office several times here in Laramie County. As a Republican in those days, uh, it was more highly Democratic in Laramie County. He lost every time but the rest of the state seemed to be fairly Republican. And he had built great ties with Al Simpson and others. And um, through him, I was able to um, get appointed as the Senate attorney in 79, 80, and 81. So in those days, the legislative service office was in its infancy, and so they would appoint private lawyers to come in and staff actually the session. So I staffed the session for three years with on the floor of the Senate, actually sitting on the floor of the Senate, drafting bills and amendments particularly. And uh, that's where I really decided I wanted to serve in the the legislature. So in 1982, I ran for office, the House of Representatives. We had 10 um, seats at the time, but you ran at large throughout the, the uh, county. I ended up uh, number nine by about a 100 votes. And, uh, there was only one Republican elected that year, and that was former Speaker Bill McElveen. um And so from that on, I just started working my way through and expecting to get to where I was. But I'll I'll stop there. That was that was probably the most significant thing in my journey to the legislature.
1: So I really should have moved to Cheyenne a, a lot sooner, uh, running as a <laughs> as a Democrat. <laughs> um, you know before law school I uh, worked on my family's ranch did the obligatory Capitol Hill internship when I was in college, uh, went to Thailand for two years as a teacher. And then, uh, you know, did the law school gig and came here. Uh, and I, is this the, do you want to know why we went to run for office? Am I, am I jumping ahead or?
0: You can, you can jump to that if you wish
1: uh so i I moved back to to wyoming and i i worked in the attorney general's office and um you know got married had kids uh went into private practice and um, always wanted to run for the legislature Um, my next door neighbor was the legislator um, wayne tony wayne reese and uh he periodically lean over the fence and say mary are you ready to run yet and i'm like eh. and my husband kevin would say can we get everybody out of diapers first and so so i i waited it waited till wayne was not running again and um, ran when my children were 10 8 and 5 uh, in large part because there weren't very many mothers in the legislature at the time and there weren't even very many people in the legislature who had kids at home at that point in time in 2006 when i ran and uh, i ran in a seat that was traditionally democratic and had always been democratic um, and that was a case where uh winning the primary was winning the election winning the democratic primary was winning the election which is not really true anywhere in Wyoming now, maybe a couple places.
0: And Judge Ross, just to return um, to you quickly, you'd mentioned that firsthand exposure to the legislator being more um, influential than really any other thing that drove you to run for public office. Um, Were there any other extraneous factors? Well, I think
2: that that, those three years, those three sessions, I should say, I realized that I was capable uh, of doing the work. I was doing the work. uh, And I made great friends on both sides of the aisle in the Senate. They gave me a lot of guidance along the way. Um, And I don't know that I can say much more than that, really, was the single most influential thing that happened. I did, because I lost in 92, Realized that I didn't know nothing about party politics. And uh, the, uh, Governor Stan Hathaway called me in his office and says, are you a Republican or are you a Democrat? And I said, because I didn't have elephants on my signs. <laughs> and, yeah. I, I said, okay, yeah, I'm a Republican, but uh, I'm just trying to get elected. There's only one Democrat that elected that. I worked my way through uh, party politics, um, and served uh, uh, two stints as the attorney uh, the state of the party, and two stints as the secretary of state of the party. And it just so happened that a, a legislator who was my uh, House of Representatives member, his baby died halfway through his term, and I made it through the appointment process, and it fit. I filled this seat um, in 1995 and served in the House until I moved over to the Senate in 2005.
1: And I, oh, I was going to add, you know, actually, the the seven years I spent in the Attorney General's office, uh, that I represented the Department of Environmental Quality, and they had a lot of legislative activity going on at the time. And so that that kind of gave me a taste for it because I became the attorney that went to the legislature with the director that drafted the the language and went to committee meetings with him, and that that really kind of gave me the bug to for running. I think I had it before, but that confirmed it for me.
0: I love that motto um, your husband had about "let's wait till they're out of diapers." Um. <laughs>
1: i actually now tell people thinking about running who have children that in some ways it's easier when they're younger than when Hmm. they're older if you you know if you can deal with the uh child care side of it because they don't have as much stuff going on
0: and that all leads us up to a greater discussion on the process of writing wyoming civil legal services act which was original house bill 61 chapter 109 wyoming session laws 2010. So to start us off um, for this portion of our conversation, when was the concept for the bill that would become the Wyoming Civil Legal Services Act brought to you? I think you probably ought to answer that. So um,
2: I was chairman of the Judiciary Committee in the Senate for a number of years and uh, at the time we were exploring the creation of a access to justice commission, whether or not that should be legislative or not, ultimately the decision was made uh, that the Supreme Court could do it by its own order and in um, December of 2008 the then Chief Justice Boyd entered an order creating the access to justice Commission and listed in that order a number of people that would be on the commission, one of which was a member of the Judiciary Committee for uh, participation. As chairman, I was appointed uh, to the Access to Justice Commission. So from that point on, for the next year, we went around the state uh, with the assistance of Justice Burke and uh, others uh, to uh, assess the need and um, we prepared a, um, a white paper that was published in December of 2009. So that's exactly how it started. I was, you never get anything done by yourself. Uh, there was many good minds. And you've already spoke to three great minds that were involved in the whole assessment of the situation. And um, so then uh, I, I could not file the bill uh, because in order to uh, create this legislation, you needed an appropriation. And so I went to Mary, who was the minority whip at the time, and I was not only chairman of the judiciary in 2010 when the legislature began, I was also the Vice President of the Senate. It's always wise to have leadership involved in bills. You can get things done a lot quicker and a lot easier. Mary was gracious to be the primary sponsor of the bill. Um, I'll, I'll let Mary um, talk about it further.
1: Well, Tony's absolutely correct. You You never do anything by yourself in the... In the legislative process, it's it's all very collaborative. And I I was a late comer uh, to this bill. I wasn't on the Access to Justice Commission. I do seem to recall attending um, some of those public listening sessions, and discovering that there was was a great need, and uh, you know was was happy to take the bill on in the House. Is I also remember um, Tony. I think we wanted to introduce it on the House side for strategic reasons, um, I think they expected uh, more difficulty in the Senate at that time. And, and so to get it started in the House and get it through the House uh, was, was the goal. Um, turned out it didn't have a lot of trouble in either House, uh, which, you know, was amazing. And uh, you know, I, was, I was pleased to co- be the prime sponsor. I felt a little guilty, and I continue to feel guilty <laughs> about it today because <laughs> I did not do all the background work and the leg work uh, to make it happen. And we had Walter Eggers and Larry uh, Wolf uh, lobbying um, to get the bill through. And so that also made my task a lot easier.
0: Pausing and going back a few seconds in the conversation, you mentioned having the guilt for having your name there as a co-sponsor, which I find funny to a degree because just as important as um, originators of an idea or people who get the ball rolling is advocates who come along in the process and continue to um, champion a cause. What made you believe in the contents of the bill and the creation of, of the, the program that would become Equal Justice Wyoming?
1: Uh, I think, you know, in part it was going to those sessions. It was also, I, you know, do what, back then, did what Tony told me to do. No, I'm I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, he was sort of a legislative mentor. Uh, but, you know, I knew it was a need in Wyoming. Um, I knew we don't have a strong history in this state of supporting that kind of social service. Uh, We there's in fact, there's, you know, pretty strong resistance uh, to that sort of thing. Uh, So the fact that this came with so much support, I mean, the support for it was built long before uh, it came to the to the Wyoming House, the support among the bar, the judges, uh, the community based organizations uh, I think everybody realized it, it was a gap in Wyoming and so that you know that that made it a lot easier and uh, you know I was happy to be involved.
2: Uh, there was a couple of considerations Mary's actually right one of uh, the issues um, that we were facing at the time was the basis for which Could even get uh, some legal aid um, was at 125% of the um, federal poverty level. Well, quite frankly, only the poorest of the poor could access legal services, and only in a couple places Cheyenne, and it was up on the reservations. Most of the state had no legal services. Uh, so one of the components that we see in the current legislation was that we took it to 200% to uh, uh, make sure that we're grabbing as many people as we possibly can to provide services. The other thing that happened was, even though I knew that the bill had to start in the House for a mission, I knew that I was probably going to face more stringent opposition to the bill uh, in the Senate, um, And it, you'll see if you look at uh, the created statute five two one twenty two paragraph B, result was all, was all added in um, in the Senate, and it was um, it was hashed out sitting at the we used to have the president sit on the uh, table at the, uh, on the floor of the house. we hashed it out there. Senator Scott and others and they were concerned about the bill being uh, used to uh, sue the state and so you'll see that it doesn't cover tort damages and criminal defense and especially what I remember about the fight in that Senate was this uh, you can't use these cases against public agencies or public subdivisions etc number three uh, but so that was kind of the fight that went on. Uh, it, it, it went to conference committee in this So it it's a number of steps to get through.
1: Um, you know, and I looked back at the House amendments and and Tony mentioned the 200% of poverty level. I noticed that one of the amendments that failed was sort of a sliding fee scale. You know, this, this idea that, if you can pay, you should pay something. And uh, again, that's that, you know, promoting individualism and self-sufficiency and just, you know, the, the pretty conservative nature we have in Wyoming about government getting too involved in this sort of thing. I, I noticed it in the uh, the other podcast that with Stuart and Patrick and Walter that and I'd forgotten this but there was some concern I guess among members of the bar that it would create competition for private private attorneys do you remember that Tony
2: I do remember that there was some pushback from the bar uh, because it would be potentially taking cases away from their own private practice um, which really uh, didn't happen I mean even
1: before. And I think the the issues that arise when you have a lot of pro se parties um, is one reason why I mean, my memory is, you know, judges supported it and and clerks, uh, because it's so much easier for the system when people are represented by counsel. You know, if you're the attorney on the other side, it's so much better. To have the party represented because if they're not represented then there are all these rules you have to follow and concerns and and it's just a mess.
0: Operating the legal system for a self-represented litigant is no small task and often there are a lot of barriers in that process but um, Judge Ross with what you mentioned of raising um federal poverty level to 200% versus um, 125%. Looking at services that were previously just in Cheyenne or on the Wind River Reservation and how they've expanded across the state. Um, just looking through those 10 policy objectives that were in the Wyoming Civil Legal Services Act, with previ- providing a full range of services and legal rights, responsibility, legal advice and information sessions, doing so in a high quality, cost-efficient manner, Um, taking advantage of a lot of private fundraising and financial efforts. I know um, the Equal Justice Wyoming Foundation has really stepped it up this past year when um, they were in dire straits with um, IOLTA funds and have really grown their public presence to make sure that people know, hey, the money that we're raising here is going towards over, um, I think in 2019, it was 4,000 civil legal cases across our partners like University of Wyoming, uh, Civil and Family Law Clinic, Teton County Access to Justice, Legal Way to Wyoming, the Wyoming Children's Law Center. And working with those human service agencies, court personnel, um, law school clinics, lay advocates, and getting more meaningful information from clients' legal needs and involving the jud- judiciary and lay people like in reforming the roles to facilitate access to justice. We have a lot to be excited about. And I'm, I'm curious, as far as a decade of reflection, how far along do you think EJW is in achieving um, the goals that were laid out in the Civil Legal Services Act? Well, I think it's a, it's a journey. You can always be better.
2: And um, um, the criteria that you listen, or that you are Set forth was really it was a part and parcel of that uh, white paper. We looked at page five of that white paper, set it out in different language, but basically those were the, the criteria that we developed that made its way into the bill. The bill really much, pretty much um, remained intact, other than that, what I told you about the uh, B from that I. From Um, So I think that, uh, you know, the Equal Justice um, uh, was kind of the, it's almost like a holding company in a way. I mean, it it, it shepherds the money to the various entities, and it's kind of a, I mean, it's really done a great job in terms of their website, access to legal forms, uh, access to getting attorneys. And one of the things I think that has grown the most is um, the bar has stepped up huge now for pro bono work. And that um, was uh, one of the major components of um,
0: the success that we're seeing, but we've still got a long ways to go. And as it pertains to the bar, um, fingers crossed, but I know everyone's hoping for um, an in-person conference come September, and there are some great plans um, in effect for Equal Justice Wyoming and its foundation to do some strategic planning for the future as far as to really uh, facilitate, streamline those efforts. So I'm excited at the improvement that's possible ahead. Um, Commissioner Throne, where else do you think um, EJW can continue to grow?
1: Oh, you know, uh, I think making sure that all the the key areas are covered what's what's amazing to me is uh you know in thinking about it we as the legislature just created this structure and no one has had to come back to the legislature to fix something in the bill i mean that sort of shows you that the the people who worked on the original structure like tony and Walter Eggers and and some of those other folks kind of got the structure right, I think. uh, Making it sort of, you know, statewide and uh, requiring, you know, outreach uh, across the state, you know, that in, in Wyoming that sometimes you things like this don't last. And that in and of, in and of itself is, is pretty amazing that nobody's tried to repeal it or, <laughs> or completely cut the funding or, or anything. So that, that tells you it's been successful. That doesn't mean there's not more to do but I think it can be called a success.
0: That is really vital to know. I mean people can a- absolutely take access to civil legal services for granted, or just be ignorant to the reality of those seeking um, legal aid and to understand that these structures didn't just make themselves appear overnight, and that they're a result of a lot of hard work, a lot of writing, white papers, plenty of public listening, period.
1: And, and uh, you know, it's just not controversial now. I mean, I, I don't know how receptive um, if we were running the bill today, people would be. But it—it uh, it was, I think, from my perspective, a lot easier to get it through the legislative process. I think than I anticipated. You know, forty-eight to ten out of the house <laughs> was uh, <laughs> was the vote. So that—that that means it wasn't in any danger of of not passing.
2: Harry has a, a valid point. That, whether or not the bill would pass this age. <laughs> I don't know. Um, there was some pushback uh, by the clerks of district court at the time um, because it was funded by a $10 fee that added to the filing fees. The district court clerks were pushing for increased filing fees because they got to retain that within the county. Uh, that was important to them, so we had a little pushback there. If you think about it now, um, and, I suspect it would have even more pushback on
0: raising fees. Anymore. What do you think can be done um, to deal with some of those more negative perceptions towards state-funded civil legal services, um, to engage in conversations in a manner that is um, both like educational and enlightening and hopefully gets people um, behind your costs? Well, I think it
2: wouldn't be a bad idea to take the, the show on the road again, so to speak. Um, to hear from the public after 10 years. Um, maybe you hear some good stories and other stories you may not. Um, I, uh, in my practice, uh, was highly involved in domestic relations. When they refer people to legal aid in Wyoming, or legal justice, a lot of them just, they just, they're, they're overwhelmed. So the more we can bring to light the current state of affairs, the better.
1: I think you know Tony's idea of going back on the road is is fantastic. Uh, I think it's important. You know we like to be practical in Wyoming. We're a very pragmatic group of people. Uh, I think letting various stakeholders know that again that it's improved the whole system. To have this support, and it hasn't hasn't led to frivolous litigation. You know, people suing their landlords over uh, things that don't matter, or you know, different things like that. I, I seem to recall that that was a concern too. You give these people these people <laughs> a lawyer, and you know, it's just going to lead to all of these problems. And I think again, uh, the opposite is true. It really makes the whole system fun- function better.
0: And As far as taking the show back on the road goes, I'm not sure if you two are aware, but um, last year, um, an AmeriCorps VISTA working for Equal Justice Wyoming did a statewide civil legal needs assessment and it was about a 100 page um, report compiled. I think there's a video on YouTube that I may link in this podcast description, but I found that there was a lot of quantitative data about the number of cases appearing or how many cases were handled by each grantee partner. Not not a lot of qualitative substance. And I think really latching on to that qualitative substance and telling stories about the clients um, that we meet and help while preserving their privacy as necessary is really integral. The saying that our organization, Equal Justice Wyoming, and its grantees often are there to intervene on people's worst days and hopefully lead them to a much better situation for themselves and their families. My last question for you both today is um, would you kindly talk about over the course of your career life the accomplishments, personally or professionally, that you're most proud of?
1: I'm making Tony go first. You've noticed this, right? I think
2: um, for me, the one thing that um, I'm most proud of is the state capitol, which was um, the renovation of the state capitol and the Hearst Building and the whole Capitol Square. Uh, that was uh, my bill as president of the Senate as the primary sponsor. But like I said before, there were so many people to add hands into that. Mary was on the oversight committee. All Democrat. The Le- uh, uh, public and legislative leaders were on the oversight rule. Um, you know, it was all hands on deck to get it done. Ultimately, see the Capitol person the building now, and that holds the, the whole, uh, thing under fruition. I you know they're working on the Twenty Sixth Street Junction for water right now. That was part of the appropriations. I think morning, up. 1.6 million if they're spending on that. That was a great uh, lift with so many people involved, and Mary was a champion for it too. Um, that's the most current thing that I can remember. Uh, there's a number of bills that I had uh, assistance on. A couple of them were predated what you would now call a right to try. Um, Tim Stubbs and I. The sponsored that It was, it was called it wasn't called right to trial, it was called a medical review panel because people were wanting to get into clinical trials and they couldn't. The insurance companies had um, uh, extreme control over whether or not you could get the cure treatment. So we created a medical review panel uh based with doctors, etc., to review the suit And they had and that uh, really was an important thing. The other thing that we took away from the insurance company was their discretionary clause. Because they, even with it, they could just have the discretion to approve it or not. That was very really important because the number of calls that I got around from people around the state um, thanking me for saving their life was, it's truly emotional to, to those that Those are the things, those are the things I think that make service in the legislature worthwhile.
1: Well, uh, not not surprisingly, uh, I think my best professional community experience uh, was my 10 years in the legislature. Uh, you know, people like Tony made it wonderful. We work together on judiciary. We work together in leadership on the capital. We work together on something called carbon capture legislation. <laughs> Tony's laughing because, uh, uh, you know, and most of these things don't have your name on them. Some of your greatest successes and the things you're proudest of in the legislature you know, they're not your personal bills. I mean, the access to justice. I'm, I'm proud that my name's on that bill, but you know, as we've, we've talked about, I think my role in that was, you know, just a small part of a much larger team. Uh, but like Tony said, the Capitol is, uh, every time I go in there and I, I, and I just actually gave, uh, the former governor of Colorado a quick tour the other day because we had a we had a meeting here and um I was showing him the the house floor and I I said I loved the legislature I woke up every day we were in session and I bounced out of bed because you you just never knew what was going to happen and you always felt like you were working to solve a problem you know whether it was big or small, you were always working on it. And I got to say, uh, thinking of the capital, the other thing I mentioned to my uh, on my tour the other day was, uh, you know, it's it's really interesting picking out paint and carpet with your, your paint colors and carpet with your your male colleagues in the legislature. <laughs> we don't have too many fights i mean you know we probably could have like done we did better with each other than we probably ever did with our spouses making those kinds of decisions
0: unfortunately i do have to say wyoming is my second highest rated capital um coming from pa in harrisburg myself um that that building each day entering it just brought the biggest smile to my face and uh President Theodore Roosevelt, when he visited Harrisburg, said it was the most handsome capital he ever saw. So uh, as one of my favorite presidents, like my favorite capital, that's pretty cool. But it's, it's awesome to hear that you two had such a big role in that um, historic renovation project. Um, I could talk about historic reservation for hours, but I know that is probably not what our audience wants to hear. <laughs> we'll keep it limited to the Wyoming Civil Legal Services Act today. Um, before I let you two go for the evening, are there any last words you would like to share um, with those listening? Well, thank you for the opportunity to think back of,
2: and you know you had to go back ten years ago um, and uh, and really think about what happened. it was a, it was a wonderful thing, um, and there were so many people involved um, that uh, I just thoroughly enjoyed re-thinking and re-going over things just to remember exactly how it happened. So I uh, was also So thank you for the opportunity.
1: Yes, uh, thank you, Ken, for bringing us together. And uh, great to see Tony. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's wonderful to, to think back about the project um, and wish I had time to be involved going forward. But I, I think the program um, has proven itself and I think it's it's got a, a great future as well as a great history. So thank you so much.
0: There's a mantra I try to live my life by and it's do what you can with what you have in the place that you are, with the time that you're given. And I think you two have clearly met and exceeded that target. It was tremendous connecting with the two of you. And um, to those listening, this has been part two of Equal Justice Wyoming's oral history. I'm hoping we can return with part three with some of the other founders, but um, thank you for tuning in
2: once more.